Hello everybody, welcome to I Love You Anyway. My name is Justin White. This is episode 103. It always bothered me that you're supposed to take out the and. 103 is improper apparently, but that's how almost everybody says it. Where I come from. Um, hello, I hope you've been well. I have been okay. Thanks for asking. Um, so much going on right now. That's why it took me a whole month to do an episode. Uh, I'm not going to list much of it, but um, I'm not going to list any of it. Let's get to our guest. My guest today is uh, my old friend, Katie Gilbert. Uh, we've known each other for most of our lives. But we haven't spoken for most of our lives either. Uh, about 30 years, I think, since we saw each other last, and then we reconnected very recently and had a great conversation. And then we had another great conversation, and here it comes momentarily. Please stand by. Thank you. Would you mind saying a few things, anything yeah. you want? Um, sort of. My name is Katie. I live in Missouri. I've known Justin for 40 years. That's a long time. <laughs> That's so crazy. <laughs> do, you, do, you know what, um, do you know what grade you started at Burns Fourth Park? Fourth grade. Okay. Yeah. So you were, right? We were, we were nine? We were nine. And you know what? I... Um, have, so I came from Detroit and, um, it's so funny cause I, you know, I still get together with Betsy and Renee, and Liza and Anna and Sarah, Sasha, um, mm -hmm. every year. And they still remind me of the first day of fourth grade because where I went to school in Detroit, the first day of school you wore like your best clothes. I mean, it was like, I don't know why, but it was like going to church dress up day. Right. I've, you got to make an impression, right? I don't know. I don't even know. Cause after it was like just day one. And then after that, it was like, eh, I'm wearing sweats. <laughs> day two. Be a total slob on day two. <laughs> but it was just what you did. It was like how you showed up on the first day. So when I showed up at Burns Park, they still tell me what I wore. And I actually remember wearing this too. So I remember being in my parents' bathroom and my mom was like brushing my hair and I had like an even middle part and I put bobby pins on, on each side. So cute. <laughs> oh, I don't know if it was. Probably looked ridiculous. And then I wore a white blouse with a big, one of those big, like, floppy bows that you would tie, and it would, like, hang down. 
the bow. That's so awesome. That's exactly what I imagined. And I don't know if it's because I was actually in <laughs> your class and I, or I've seen the photo a bunch of times, but and as the, soon as you started to say it, I, I pictured a big bow on yes. it, you know, and then awesome. a plaid, like Scottish kilt, <laughs> nice. <laughs> which I don't know why white tights and black patent leather shoes. And I walked in to, it must've been Mr. Corbett's class in fourth grade. Were you in Mr. Yep. Corbett's class? Yeah. And I swear to God, everyone looked at me and was like, what in the hell is she doing? And That's I just walked amazing. in and was like, oh, it's going to be different here. I, That's amazing. Yeah. You felt it right away? Oh, I felt it right away. It was, Did you feel super yeah. embarrassed or were you just were you just like, oh, this is odd. These are a bunch of scrubs. I, I don't think I felt embarrassed. I Maybe I did. I, I'm sure I did because I was nine years old, right? So like if you breathe, that's like embarrassing, right? At nine. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but but well, I, I don't know. Are you that self-conscious yet at that age? Is um, one? I think I was just becoming. Yeah. Unfortunately, right? I wish like girls, I think girls might. So I think with boys, it's around 12. And okay. with girls, I think it can be closer to like 10 when they start. Um, just, you know, and then everything kind of evens out, but right. I don't know if I was that embarrassed. I think I was just like befuddled because I was like, yeah. everyone's in t-shirts and sweatpants. And I was like, okay. So, um, yeah, but I did feel like immediately it was going to be different. That's awesome. <laughs> That's a pretty clear indicator, I guess. Yeah. Well, every also, day is casual Friday Yeah, in, in yeah. Ann Arbor. And and also, I actually was one of the few white students at my school in Detroit. And so I walked in, I was like, I have never seen so many white faces in a room like this. It was kind of like, oh, there are a lot of white people here. Wow. I know. It's good. Did you, so when you moved, did you just show up like right, right before school started? You didn't know anybody? Or you did know, you have? I think we were there maybe a couple weeks beforehand. And I remember my parents were like, we've got to do something with her. So they sent me, like, I, <laughs> I was nine and they sent me to a weaving class. What, what was that supposed to achieve? I don't know. I like learned how to weave. And in I your made... first two weeks in the, in the city in Ann Arbor? <laughs> yes. It was like, like an adult art center, like down on Liberty. And I was like, I'm here to weave. And so I weird. wove these um, placemats that like my parents still have. Of course. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so funny now that I think about it. But that's I just amazing. was like, here I am. I'm just going to weave because that's could it do but i think it just you know was something to do type thing yeah do you i can't recall what your integration was like were you did you make friends right away with all of those pals or was it a slower process you know i was lucky i really um did make friends with them very quickly um i think i don't know why or how but I think they like the way you dress. <laughs> they want to get like, to know this classy gal that just showed is that fashionable girl. <laughs> right. Um, I That's think amazing. they found me to be like a strange curiosity 
and uh, yeah. probably like I don't know. So yeah, it what I was pretty lucky in that I felt like a connection with them right away and um was super excited and yeah, it was good. Like I don't remember it as being traumatic at all. I remember it being like this is interesting and I think this could be fun. Nice. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I'm sure it has gone differently for many transplants. <laughs> I think that's true. <laughs> I think my own naivete maybe saved me, you know? Yeah, well, that is a pretty good time to make a big change like that, I think. I think I mean, so, it seems like It seems like it could be pretty rough any later than that. Middle school, right? That's like... Yeah. Was that, <laughs> whoa. Was, that, was that as much of a nightmare for you as it was for me? Oh, my God. Middle school? Yes. I hated it. Was it like a minute by minute, like a uh, slog? Did, you know what I mean? I mean, I literally don't even know why we have middle school. Like, they should just send us into the woods and be like, for the next few years, you just need to like do your own thing and right. maybe avoid other kids your age and just, you'll learn more basically just figuring out how to survive in the woods that will be useful to you than going to middle school. I, I totally agree. Although it could turn into a Lord of the Flies situation pretty quickly. It might just... At least it would be like, I don't know, maybe more entertaining than interesting though. Yeah, at least we'd be able, be able to make our own rules. <laughs> yes. I mean, to me, it felt like a, this cruel punishment to like to trap us all in this building and say you can't leave and... No, not one of you is happy and you're going to, you're going to take out your insecurities on each other until there's a clear victor and the, you know, the oppressed ones will just hide and, or run from class to class or play, play sick at home. And it was like such a brutal transition because it was like, either you were like immediately thrusting yourself into like high school, like behavior people right. were like, you know, completely, you know, like. Uh, you know, just smoking like a pack of marbles in the bathroom, like every right. class. And like, I remember someone like, I think someone like shift. What did they do? <laughs> there was someone like, <laughs> someone like shift someone in the. Jesus. Our, our junior high was no joke, man. I, I've tried to tell people. I mean, they think Ann Arbor and they kind of think it's like, it can't be that bad. It's like a bunch of hippie kids. But It was just, and then I remember there was one year someone intentionally, a kid intentionally urinated in the radiator. Oh, I remember that. The, oh my God. The whole school smelled so badly and they couldn't do anything about it. It just spread the smell yeah. around the building for like a year. And when you would go down a certain staircase, you would, I mean, you felt like you were going to throw up. I had totally forgotten about that, but was, not, but you're bringing it back in, in vivid. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. I, um, I, and you know, looking back now too, I, I can, I can't remember talking to someone now, right now that I have a kid in middle school and a daughter who just went through it. Um, and their experiences have been like pretty fine. I mean, fine. Um, but Someone did say, you know, middle school, it's 
really just about you like you just have to get through like you're not your grades don't go towards anything right you know you're not the learning is pretty low you're it's just like a holding space yeah it's a three-year survival course (laughs) (laughs) with with no with no real uh rewards other than the fact that you you might make it through you might make it i mean that's also i think we were growing up when parents were a little bit checked out, right? Yeah, yeah just a little. <laughs> and um, I think that that's a mixed bag. Like I look back and I'm like, part of me feels like, my God, what? Like, how could they just not have paid attention to certain things? Yeah you know, that's crazy. And I I feel like I really have a better handle on what's going on with my kids, at least so far. Um, And on the other hand, I feel like, wow, we were lucky, you know, like, in some ways, because I, the, you know, I do think that so many parents are so hyper involved in their kids' private lives now that it's, not good either. So right. I don't know what that middle would look like, but it yeah. probably, you know, wouldn't involve me like deciding to just start driving at 13 <laughs> without any lessons. That's you know? awesome. That probably wasn't a good choice. Um, I think it's a great choice. I mean, <laughs> I personally, I would never want for my kid. I mean, I, I there are aspects of that life that I really desperately wish my daughter could have had and it's and there it's gone like it's that doesn't exist anymore so there's some sadness there for me uh but so little is as it was and being a parent now i can't imagine being the type of parent that would let their kid do the shit that i did but (laughs) i'm so glad that i did i'm so glad i had that childhood and you know all the way up all the way through into adulthood it was sort of uh, I mean, it wasn't totally you're on your own, but it was, right. there's a lot less supervision and I, pre- yeah. I prefer that in general. I don't want, yeah. I don't want to be supervised. Yeah. I feel that way too. And, um, okay. So this is going to sound really, um, cheesy, but I'm going to share it anyways. I was just listening to a podcast and someone was talking about, um, that, uh, Okay, so you have the. I'm going to pronounce it incorrectly. What is it when it's a um, caterpillar in the chrysalis? Chrysalis. Chrysalis. Mm-hmm. Um, so they become butterfly. The only way they can make their muscles work as butterflies is if they exercise those muscles to bust out eventually. Right. And so they said, you know, you have to think about it as. Um, not always jumping in to do to protect someone or do the do the work for them or whatever, because potentially they won't be able to develop those skills themselves. And like not developing them could mean they'll just—I mean, this isn't very optimistic, but they'll die, right? Like, right, because the butterfly won't. will will die if you help it out of its cocoon, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so will a bird from an egg, and you know, yeah. They need to Not do that. that. I'm gonna be like my kids are really struggling. I'll be like, work yeah. those muscles, tough it up, get it, get out, get out there, kid. I know it's it's only midnight. Get You're a- not gonna be a butterfly, right? 
you can you could get home from here. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I mean, it's such a hard thing to. What like once you've seen both sides of that and you recognize what it did for you as an individual, but you also see what an insane world we live in, and you love your kids more than anything. So, right. how the hell do you make that choice to be to let them? grow up and be on their own when if you don't feel like they're ready and is it is it your choice to decide when they're ready or is it theirs a certain age we hit and it's um like what we are looking for and what we need in our life maybe at this age is different and maybe in a good way you know for sure um and so that path is like I don't know I mean do you feel like you're at a new moment maybe it's maybe it's coming out of covid and COVID causes us to kind of, you know, reassess everything. I, I think that's certainly true. I, or I, at least I hope that people are taking that opportunity. Um, yeah. I also feel like I was already headed for some kind of weird shift and, and have been for a while. And it's, you know, may, it may be, I'm sure it's all cumulative, you know, like all all the things that have added up over the last however many years yeah. seem to be pointing to a different future than I imagined. Yeah, yeah. I think too, I mean, for me, it was, it was a combination of um, COVID, uh, you know, the pandemic, and honestly, not knowing if we were going to have a democracy anymore. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and spending like four years doing everything I could think of to push back against what I felt very strongly was the rise of a dictatorship and feeling really, truly terrified. And that motivated me to become really active. But, um, having that situation be that individual 
be gone, you also kind of like, I think, I think, and then having really young kids on top of that. And for a while, for several, just about several years, being the full-time single parent while their dad lived elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And that kind of combination of like, everything felt crisis-y and like, you just had to, I felt like I just had to be in crisis management 24-7. And I think that we're coming out of the pandemic. Uh, I don't, uh, you know, their father lives in the same town now. So there's 50-50. And the dictator is gone. Yeah. For now, at least. For now, right. Um, Isn't it amazing how, like, what a giant sigh of relief Yes, we were able to take on that day? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think people still really get how close we came. Oh, we were, we and, were so close. I and, was hysterical at moments. Yeah. I, for me, it was, it, the stress started basically the second he started campaigning and, um, oh, and, and just, it just got worse and worse and worse every day for the whole, you know, close to five years. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, the, that one day after, and then with the Georgia stuff, I was like, yeah. Oh Jesus, it's, we, yeah. we get another chance maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Please let's do it differently. Yeah. And I think that, so kind of this new year, I just decided like, I'm not, I'm not going to live like that anymore. Like I have worked so hard and career wise and everything for so long and just been news, the grindstone, just grind, grind, grind. And I'm like, okay, what do the next 20 years look like? I'm not going to spend the next 20 years like endlessly. Um, like I feel like I have to have joy and pleasure and play more than I have ever felt my life. And I think maybe I was a workaholic for a long time, mm-hmm. which isn't a good thing, but I, I think I thought that was a good thing. Like if I just worked all right. and now I just, I literally don't have the energy anymore. And I just, um, the pandemic kind of helped me see that like really the thing that brings me the most joy is spending time with people I love. And that, that's it. Nice. So I'm hoping to do that, but um, it's almost like I, I, for the first time in my life, I'm able to say no to things that I, I, you know, would never say no to before, like just a request for a talk or what have you. And Right. That's um, great. That's such a huge uh, gift to yourself when you, when you say, I'm going to set boundaries now. To protect my own needs. Right, right. And for the seven years that you're working towards tenure, I mean, to be totally blunt, they literally tell you you can't say no to anything. No matter what you're asked to do, what's like service work or... They really do say that up front? Yeah. Actually, someone said that to me verbatim. That's amazing. And And, and they meant it, right? They meant it. And so I said yes to everything and, you know, oh man, just having a baby and a toddler 
when I, when I, during my first year as an assistant professor and, you know, I can remember like literally getting up at four in the morning regularly and just, (laughs) it was so insane and hard. And now I'm not getting up at four. Okay, good. 530 sometimes, but not four. Oh man. That's still so far before I want to start my day. Me too. <laughs> well, maybe you can push towards seven or eight eventually. Yeah, I hope so. Well, but that's think, impressive yeah. that you managed that and well, more than I managed. I, mean, I was probably like kind of slightly crazed and crazy making for the for many years. Well, so I don't know if I was like a model of grace. Well, <laughs> at I, all. I'm glad you said that because I think that's an important point to to bring up. Uh, yeah. The idea that you're supposed to be the model of grace when you're going through crisis or any kind of hardship or anything right. is ludicrous. And for yeah. for our culture to expect that is just nuts. Like the, it's the, yeah. the fixation on accomplishment in this society is just oh, I know. bonkers. It's bonkers. And I full, like full bore, just bought into it a hundred and ten percent, and was like, must achieve at all costs, yeah. whatever. And now I'm like, must pour strong, you know, good drink after work and watch fluff, <laughs> right, right, and and Hug be my happy, kids. you know, yeah. yeah. How how is that for you? Do you find you're able to be happy when you choose it, or do you? Yes. Yeah. I think that I'm actually happier and more even keeled than maybe than maybe ever. Wow. Not, and I don't mean happy like joyous. Like I'm not like yay, but I'm more even tempered, mm-hmm. and um. It's almost like I, I, but the truth is like, it's not like, oh, it's just naturally happened. It's like all the work, right? And we've talked about that, how much work, yeah, you know, everything, therapy, blah, 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 self-help, <sighs> yep. all of it. And like, I feel like I really, maybe it was the workaholic part of me that pushed me through working on myself. Yeah. Maybe so. But I think in some ways, like, I mean, there's so much that I haven't figured out or, but I, but I think I used to stress out a lot and maybe it's because I feel like, okay, I've been through some really insane stuff and I'm okay, you know? And so then I feel like things that would, probably have knocked me over before are just kind of like, eh. That's great. That's really cool to be able to say that. I don't know if it is. Maybe (laughs) I've just numbed myself out and I'm like, that's joy. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe that's it too. Well, I don't know. I mean, you you have to be resilient to survive. So there's a certain amount of scar tissue. I think that we all contend with. Yeah. And you, I mean, you're you're resilient and i know that you have also 
kind of, you know, gone through life and are in a different place now. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, I'm definitely in a different place than I've ever been, but I, I don't have quite as many positive adjectives to attach to my, like my everyday experience of that. I think I'm yeah. in the phase of looking at all the, I'm in the reckoning stages where I'm like looking at past behaviors and mistakes I've made and things that I don't want to have regret about, but I do. Um, and I I'm like marinated in that stage for yeah. like the past seven years. Yeah. I've been in it for a while too. Yeah. And I think maybe this is the first time ever that I'm not just immersed in it. And so maybe I'm like, this must be normal, but you know, it's probably not. And I should also say like, I, I am exhausted. I mean, my university is, there are 2% of universities in the United States that did all in person through the pandemic. And, and you were one of them. <laughs> and I, it has been bonkers. I mean, the students have handled it amazingly well. The universities handle well. But going in to teach and you're like, well, maybe I'll die. Right. <laughs> or, kill, or kill somebody else. Or... <laughs> like the stress level is so high. And I think that maybe I feel relief now because there are only four weeks left and I've actually finally been vaccinated. But all this time, has it just been, is that just how Missouri's doing it? Or just like wide, wide open, keep everything open? Um, yeah, right. I mean, our <laughs> governor was just like, eh, people yeah. will die. But Jesus. profits, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I mean, that's what every state is sort of weighing. It's like, well, think, is, now do we open the economy? Now is it okay? Yeah. I do think that um, we did not shut down the way other places did, but um, I would say that like there definitely was social distancing and masking. Our city had a masking ordinance that people still follow, even though people showed up at like the city council hearing saying that, I think I mentioned this to you, they like got anyone could testify, which was pretty Probably, oh, I mean, that's the great thing about democracy, but people went on and on about Satan and masking. There was a lot of talk about Satan and masking. Well, there's definitely a correlation. I mean, I, I don't know what, what side you stand on, but you know, <laughs> yes. it's und undeniable that those two are should be talked about together. They are. You're right. So there was a lot of, you know, everyone's going to, <laughs> to hell. And, uh, yikes. You know, um, a lot of like government control, you know, so there was a lot of pushback, but I considering that how, how outspoken some people were, I've actually been pretty impressed with um, how well it's gone compared to what I thought was going to happen, which was just <laughs> like people hand to hand combat in the streets. Right. <laughs> Thank you.
I really did think like, I don't know if I can do this. Like there was a moment where I thought I might just leave this profession because I, um, I just, I didn't feel like, I felt like it was insane, you know? And, um, but you would have actually stopped teaching rather than just go try to look for a new place to work. Well, that's such a good question. The, I mean, academia, especially the humanities, there are just no jobs, like none. So if I was like, I'm quitting being an English professor at this institution, (laughs) the larger piece of that is like, I'm quitting because, I mean, there's just nowhere else to go. And if you leave a job in academia and you're not going directly to one, you're nuts. You never could get back in. Like, that's it. There's yeah. no, like, I'll take a year and then go on the market. It's, um, it's, it's completely insane. And so, yeah, if I had been like, I'm not going to go then, you know, and some people did, some people retired early, some people, um, well, I guess that's probably the main thing that people did was retire early, you know, and just say, it's a good time to, step back yeah were you how close were you like what were you thinking about as alternative plans well that's a really good question so i mean i really like to write and i worked in publishing and editing um and i think that one of the challenges i have is that the writing i have to do for my career doesn't always line up with the writing that is making me most happy. So, um, I actually, um, believe it or not, uh, got a, uh, recently got a poetry, a poetry, a fellowship for poetry, um, writing poetry. Um, and so I'm doing a, a summer workshop, uh, thing related to the fellowship. So I, I actually really enjoy writing that. And then I really enjoy writing just essays and creative nonfiction. Um, I'm not a really a fiction writer, but I think that that writing always gets shoved to the back because I have to write academic articles, you know, and mm-hmm. academic work, um, which, so uh, right now I have a deadline on June 1 and I know I'll put all my energy into that instead of writing other stuff. So, I mean, okay. So the question of what would I do? Um, what I would probably, I mean, I guess I would try to become a full-time writer. Nice. That's what I would do and not teach. Um, but I just talked with someone else who did that, who made that move. And she pointed out that she did have her, she had signed her first book contract. Um, before leaving her teaching yeah, job. And, yes. And that even then it was considered outlandish, right? Like outrageous to make that move. Yeah. Um, it's worked for her, but it does take, I don't know, like, okay. So health benefits and 401k, you know, what, how are you going to do that? Yeah. Stuff? But also, I mean, how do you, how do you feel about this idea that, um, 
if you if everybody says like that's outlandish or it's impossible or don't you know don't take the risk or you know if that's just sort of like the understood uh you know that's that's the paradigm this is impossible nobody gets to do this it's you know yeah. if that's the belief that people hold at large don't you think that limits a person's ability to break out of that Yes. And, and that we actually need to start talking about it like it is possible and it's not insane. And yes. it's like more people can actually start doing things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like following and their I, dreams, for instance. Yes. And I think that that is. Um, so this fall, I'll turn in my sabbatical application, which will be not for this coming year, but the following. Um, and I'm trying hoping that I can take a whole year. Um, usually people take a semester, but if I can figure out a way to take a whole year, I will have a whole year to just write whatever I want to write. And I feel like then I can, I don't know, hopefully have that book contract and bust out. Yeah. But, um, or at least because give yourself a shot because yeah, you, know, yeah. you can't really do it when you're doing all this other stuff. Yeah, I did start to send stuff out, but I am weird about like I don't um I don't share stuff until it's like in print and then <laughs> you know, even then I'm like, eh, you'll yeah. probably find it boring. <laughs> I'm I'm the same way. I I don't really I mean, I'm not that into perfection, but I I also don't share the process very much with others. I also think that, and I wonder if this is true for you too in some ways. Um, I talked about this with a colleague who is a, a fiction writer, poet, and she also writes essays. But um, sometimes we'll chat and she's really amazing and wonderful. And I mean, that's the other thing is actually my department, my colleagues are really wonderful people who I love being around. Um, and that's very, very rare. Um, so I think that has also kept me there and kept me in it because they're funny and, um, kind and really just good people. Um, but she and I will sometimes touch base of, you know, what are you working on? And we also say like, we, we've even said to each other before, like, I can't, I can't tell you about it. Um, and it, because if you actually tell someone, walk them through what you're doing, it's almost like you lose it and you've done it and it's not in your, it's not there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me. So keeping it secret is um, like the way to keep writing. Yeah, that's. I, I think that's a good plan. I mean, I, I don't know if that's the same motivation that I have. Uh, it's probably part of it because I, I do feel like there's a there's something about, well, I don't know. I think I'm probably just a control freak and I'm probably freaked out at the thought of people stealing my stuff. Because yeah. I've had it, you know, I've had people take credit for my stuff, and I really. 
Well, I remember being young and how, like, I would tell somebody a joke and, yeah, you know, then they'd turn around and tell it to the group and get a huge laugh and and then not credit me. (laughs) Oh. Horrible. Yeah. I swear you must have just wanted to like bonk them on the head or something. I, I, I mean, I felt like I was constantly um, not being seen for who I actually was. So yeah. I think I just incorporated that as another, that's just another element of the way that I was being misunderstood. And I, yeah. you know, and I'm probably, you know, like every other human in that way to some extent. But some people just are super are really sensitive about it. And I was one of those. Yeah. Well, I mean, also I think because you are um like you're an insightful observer that I can see how you would like see what's going on, like low key, quiet, make a joke, and then the like outspoken, you know, well, I don't know. I don't want to say like clown or whatever, but then it's like, look at me performing this funny thing. Yeah. The, the one who already had social acceptance yeah, know, would be the one that could, could pass the joke on to the, to the masses. <laughs> to the, to the masses. But, you're, but you're supposed to give writing writers credit, you know? Yeah. I wrote that joke. You're supposed to tell tell people, you know, yeah. after they laugh, say, oh, actually, that was his. Right. So yeah. that, it was an integrity thing for me. It was like, you know, yeah. that's not cool. You're, you're plagiarism in front of you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was the worst part is like, don't, what do you think I'm feeling right now as you're, as you're doing this? Like, do you, yeah. don't you get it that that's not, that's not something you do to your pals? Right. Yeah. So. But- I have two th- two thoughts. One is, um, I actually am taking a, uh, a digital humanities like workshop this spring or this summer. Um, and have you ever gotten on Slack? Do you know what Slack is? I haven't. I've never been on it. I've heard of it, but I don't yeah, really know so what it is. I had to set up my profile for this, and um, and the workshop is about blogging about your research. And I, I said like, you know, they were like, what are the two top things you want to get out of this? And I was like to have an everyday writing practice and to figure out how to write about what I'm thinking about without giving away all my ideas. Like, you know, exactly what you're saying without, you know, having that worry and, I don't know how to do that, but the person said they would teach me. So I Oh good. Well, uh let me know if you learn any good tips for um I, I mean I would imagine it's just sort of breaking it down into pieces that others you know, without too much detail, so others yeah. can't interpret your yeah. your personal take on it. But, but do you, Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Do you feel like you didn't have social acceptance. Well, I, I, I always, like you, you I always had friends, and I I was really grateful to have the ability to make friends uh, across different boundaries. Like I I really didn't care what clique anyone was right. in, and I was I, I'm really I'm happy that that 
never factored in for me. I just, I mean, I, I definitely felt the pressure to be, I, I, I mean, I was pretty clear that I wasn't going to be one of the cool kids, but I thought that if you could, you know, sidle up to them and be, you know, capture a little bit of their glory, that maybe that was worth something. But I learned that it wasn't, you know, it had nothing to do with anything. It was just somebody, you know, somebody had decided where people fall on this arbitrary status chain. And I thought it was all bullshit. And I didn't want, I didn't want to conform to any of the existing rules. So I just became friends with anybody that was nice and wasn't, you know, looking to manipulate me or be a jerk. And, um, so I felt like I was accepted in that way because I was, it was a genuine connection, but on a, on a wider scale, no, I don't really feel like I ever fit anywhere really. I mean, I I guess I did up to a point where I wasn't, you know, when I wasn't questioning it, but it's so interesting though, because I, I think that, um, like there's a Uber coolness to being able to be like the chill person who's like not invested in all the social hierarchy drama that actually is like, (laughs) it's like meta cool. Right. Well, that would, that would be true if it weren't, you know, founded in insecurity, you know, but but that's what I was going to say is like the difference between how we're perceived of what we think, of ourselves at that age can be big, right? So yeah. what you may have felt like was um, you know, a moment of insecurity or something, no one on that no one would have picked it up that way. Well, how do, how can I ask how you perceived me? That I mean it's a big question because it's covering yeah. a long time, but right. Do you, I, do you I have a recollection of what I was like back then? Funny. Okay. Funny. Definitely funny. Um and uh, edgy, a little edgy, like, you know, in like a cool way, um, <laughs> like a kind of a no bullshit way. Um, and like potentially spontaneous in a way that could be like harmful to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you have examples of that? Um, I, I mean, I do, but I'm curious oh to know God, if you remember. I have, uh, I have one. So I was actually going through old photo albums. And I have a picture of you from when we were like seven, probably 18 um, at a party. And you have, it's so funny, like three cigarettes in your mouth <laughs> that are all lit. And like you're smoking all of them. And like there's something so funny about it because like you're kind of goofing around. But I was like, that's oh, awesome. Yeah. I think yeah. I remember that. I mean, it might not be the only time I pulled that one, but I think I, I think I remember. <laughs> and you're that. kind of goofing around, and you know. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I think. Would, okay, this is a crazy question, and you can like edit this out. But <laughs> did you once? Were you the cops once chasing you, and you drove faster than they did because you were like you could outrun them if you go a certain. <laughs> Hour. Well, I definitely, I definitely, I mean, allegedly, uh, I've that has happened. Um, well, I remember hearing that story and being like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> I remember um, someone specifically saying to me, "Like, you know, um, 
Justin White figured out that if you go like <laughs> they won't chase you because it's too dangerous, right. you know, cause like a and I was like, Oh my god, Justin White outran the cops in a car. That's incredible. But um <laughs> Like I'm that. so glad, so glad those kinds of legendary uh, <laughs> a- anecdotes are still floating around out there. Yeah, but I think like, um, I mean, I think every no, that's probably not true. I was going to say everyone felt angst and in you know some form of insecurity and some form of like rage. I think, but. But, but that's actually not true. I think there are a lot of people who are just like, um, not that complicated. Yeah, I think that is a, that's exactly right. It's like the the people for whom those times in life are easy or just it's just kind of simple in general. Like there's, you know, this is all I need and I got it and things are good. I, yeah, and I I think also. Oh man, this is going to sound bad, but I think one of the really important lessons I've learned is um, not everyone thinks the way I do, and people can be really happy with certain things that are good for them, and they aren't like clawing away to figure out the meaning of life. They're just right. they're fine. And, I, don't, I don't think that sounds bad. I think it's true. I think it's yeah. just true. Some people, and it, and it's not necessarily a judgment call. I mean, we, yeah. we may sound like elitists talking about it, but that's because we both are clawing away for the meaning <laughs> of something. I, yeah, I know. I, I know I do. But the flip side of sounding like that is that, like, you actually have a lot of suffering if you're like that. Right. So good for them and lucky for them. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I've, I've asked myself a number of times over the years, whether I'm envious of that way of being or not. Yeah. And I, I pretty consistently conclude that I'd rather be the way that I am, even though I create a ton of my own suffering just through these crazy, you know, loops that I run in my head about what this is and what that is. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. It's almost like the difference between, um, I don't know. It's almost like if, if our lives are like fabric or something, not fabric, um, some sort of textile and you're really feeling the texture Whereas other people just kind of glide along. Right. They're like, um, oh, plaid. Cool. Yeah. Um, but if you're, if you are moving through that, it's definitely more painful, but a lot more interesting and meaningful. I think so. I mean, I the weird thing is that you can't really say what it is for somebody else. Like it could be that, you know, their whole spectrum of experience fits within a little tiny piece of yours, but within their spectrum, everything is represented and and they have the same highs and lows. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't, I mean, I've always judged it negatively when somebody, you know, isn't thoughtful enough or, or 
contemplative enough or what, you know, I just sort of have it wired in my brain that that's not the right way to be, but I don't, but I don't think that that's true. I think there's every way to be is one of the right ways. It's just a representation of what's available. Yeah. And, and I'm, you know, I'm on, on the days when I'm feeling happy with my brain, uh, it's great to be a thinker. And on the days when I'm not, it's rough, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm going to make myself feel bad with all this deep reflection. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, and I, I, I actually, uh, um, a couple months ago had like a, a moment for a few weeks where I was kind of like obsessing about something and looking back now, I know that I was trying to figure something out that I couldn't figure something out. Um, and, but this person kind of set me off on like a, I don't even know, like a, um, I knew, I just could not figure out this person and what their deal was. And, (laughs) and I, I knew something was off and something was wrong and I was obsessing about it. And I was like, this feels terrible. Like I, it felt terrible. Right. Like, and, um, I think that I know what you're saying. There are certain days when you're like, Oh, I wish, I wish I wasn't angsty and were, you know, a warrior or what have you. Yeah. Yeah. You, you mean it felt terrible just to be having like these judgments or assessments about someone? Confusion. Okay. Yeah. And like why someone, you know, was behaving a certain way and just being like, something's off, something's wrong. Um, and then eventually I, I figured it out, but it was, uh, you know, you can fall into these patterns of like circling. Yeah, for sure. Rumination. Um, that are not healthy. So, yeah. Right. Well, often you're trying to figure out something that isn't yours to figure out. Oh God, that's so well put. Yeah, (laughs) that is so true. And I find that I do that almost all the time, just out of, it's just an instinct or it's something, it's my training. I don't know. I'm just kind of like assessing everything as I go. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's only my past experience and my thoughts of myself that have colored the way that I you know, categorize things when I'm running down, you know, like it's, there's nothing inherently wrong with what is going on. It's just that I will, I can find ways to make it wrong if it doesn't fit (laughs) my, my story. Yeah. And that's a habit I don't, I'm not crazy about and I'm working with it, but um, it's certainly deeply ingrained that that's, it's somehow my right to do that. I'm like the, you know, humanity police i'm just walking around like you're doing it wrong you you should be you should you know it's not it's not reasonable or sane but somehow in my little private existence it is yeah yeah i um you know and it's that phrase i'm sure you know this phrase like the story i'm telling myself in my head about something could be completely off from the reality. It probably is, right? I think that was actually probably something 
I think I felt like I figured decided in high school that was actually really relieving was that I kind of decided everyone else was so caught up in their own worlds the way I was that like times when I think it was like this um, relief valve or something where I would think times that people were paying attention to something I was obsessing over or thinking about, I'd mm-hmm. remind myself, no, they actually don't even, they don't even know I'm in the room. Like yeah, they're, they're way the too wrapped up in their own stuff. Right? They're in their own stuff. And I was like, that's kind of awesome because. Did you, did you come to that revelation on your own? Do you remember? Cause I, I had that revealed it. to me by my brother. Oh yeah. He, he just yeah. presented. He's like, cause I was all uptight about something yeah. and he's like, man, everybody's so obsessed with their own, like how they look and what, how they're presenting that you just don't have to worry about it. They're, you know, think, they're not even going to notice. I, I think I, I don't know if I can do it on my own, but I, I would remind myself of it in high school. That's awesome. I wish I'd had it then. But I mean, I think I came to it only probably because of, you know, all the angst and yeah. um, beforehand. You know, right. First, first beat your head on that wall for a while and, yeah. then, and then come back and let me know if you change your right, thinking. Right. And then, and then it's so liberating because you're like, no one even like no one's paying attention to me and yeah. that's actually awesome. Yeah. That's how it should be. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's liberating if you can really incorporate it into your belief system. Yeah. Cause I feel like it took me, like I heard it and I got it and I believed it, but then it took me a while to really believe it or see it in action. Yeah. You know, like let go of other people's uh, judgments of me. Yeah. who cares it's not you know if i'm not doing anything wrong in my own eyes and i'm making efforts to not step on other people's toes then their opinion of me really shouldn't factor in much at all yeah yeah but yeah. it still does it's still you know i don't i think it's a, le- a lesson you have to learn again and again yeah that's true Unless then, you don't, maybe there are people who are just like they're just like I'm. I'm cool. I don't, you know, I don't care what you think. Yeah. Sometimes though, I think the people who say literally that phrase, "I don't care what you think," they actually really care. They probably care the most. <laughs> <laughs> Liars. I know.
something that I've been thinking about in terms of um, kind of future, what my future looks like is that I think one of the really challenging things about my marriage was that we were so intertwined with each other um, and we really both would want the other person to think the way we thought. Mm -hmm. And so it was always like a battle of the wills. And um, I mean, looking back, I'm like, we were really competitive, but we were also, um, it just, both of us, I think were so adamant that one of us had to win over the other person to our viewpoint and then course of action from that viewpoint. And I think one of the things I'm realizing now is like, really get it that people don't think like me. And also now that, you know, I don't plan to marry again. I, and, and like, I don't need someone to be, what will this person be like as we, you know, build a life, and have children and buy a house and blah, blah, blah. Now it's like, mm, I have my own home. I have my kids. I have my job. Um, I feel like one of the kind of phrases that I think I'm trying to incorporate into my life is this idea of like, someone will be different from me. And my goal is to hold space for that person and their differences and be okay with that. Right. Like not try to um, get someone to be in alignment with the way I see things. Right. I feel like that might reduce my angst level in life. I'm almost positive it will. I mean, in any relationship. Yeah. Because it, I mean, we should all just admit once and for all that there, you cannot change someone's, you know, you, you yeah. can't change them to see things the way you see them. Yeah. But yeah. you can uh, love them anyway, which is the, that's the goal of my, you know, that's like the whole movement that I'm trying to get on board with, even though it's, it's a daily struggle. Like, I feel like I'm so far from it sometimes, you know, where I really want to accept people as they are and be cool with the differences. But I have this list in my head of like certain behaviors that are unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and they just pop up instantly. I'm just like, well, you're one, you know, you're doing this, so that means you must be this type of person, and that means you don't <laughs> care about this, and yeah, and it's that's all made up. That's all my stuff. Sort you know? of. I mean, there are some, right? Some things, like if they're like <laughs> wrapped yeah. up in a Trump flag, right? <laughs> or well, and even that, you know, I um, I want to be able to look at that person and and acknowledge that they have a right to be here just like I do. Well, that's and, No, I mean I really I really it's a struggle. It's more of a struggle with people whose ideologies are so far from mine, but Yeah. I, I but why like why are they not okay and I'm okay every you know. I mean I I could I could break it down why that's true for me. But, <laughs> but it, you know, I, looking at it from a universal perspective or just a sort of collective consciousness 
view. Yeah. Everybody who's here is here. It's that's the truth. Like they're yeah. here and they're expressing in the way that they are. Yes. And we may not like a lot of it. We probably won't. But we don't have the right to say they don't have the right to be right. here. You know. Yeah. It's it's not for us to decide. I don't think. Um, but we can model the behavior that we think is good and hope that people catch on over time. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, know. It, it seems like a laughable proposition, but I think that is actually yeah the the path forward. No, I agree with you. And I mean, clearly I chose like an extremist example, right? Whereas <laughs> like <laughs> I, I, um, you know, when it comes to like everyday people and stuff and everyday exchanges and relationships, you know, it's like I'm talking about much smaller. Yeah. Things. But, but it's okay to, I mean, I'm interested in the bigger stuff too. Like, I mean, you yeah. could take it out of politics and just say, what if it's a murderer? You know, is that, a, is that, how, how can we say that it's okay? You know, I'm, I don't think that you're saying that you condone murder, but, the person who becomes a murderer is on their own journey and they're learning through what will ultimately be a really difficult experience. Um, that, but that was the surprise that I was going to bring on the podcast that I condone <laughs> that you do actually condone murder. Okay, cool. Well, that's, that's the, that's the kind of stuff I'm going for. So I want to hear, hear blanket confessions. Yeah. I totally hear you, but I think too that, okay, so let me put it this way. Like sometimes, so there are these kinds of different extremes, right? Where you have someone who is, this is good and this is bad and that's it, right? Mm -hmm. These are my moral codes and anyone who doesn't fall into these categories, it's a problem. Right. And then you have, people who, and I actually see this sometimes we talk about this about with college students because they come from home where they have a very certain structure and then they end up in a space with people who have their own structures and there's all this variety. And then they go to the opposite extreme, which is who's to say, right? Which is like, and so then part of exactly what you're talking about this journey of figuring out um where where do you go that's not rigid you know rigid versions of morality and not like also i mean i hear you about that everyone's on their journey so then, so then what is the, what is the measuring stick that we use? To determine whether somebody's doing right or wrong? Is that, or, or, or what do you mean? Or, or like, if we want them in our life. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's the beauty of being an individual and having autonomy is that you get to decide who's in your life once you reach adulthood or you, you know find your if you can get yourself into a position where that is true i mean it's not always true if you get a job you don't get to choose all your workmates but you i think really all you can do is take care of your own interactions in the world you can 
and as they say in recovery, you keep your side of the street clean. You don't worry about what the other people are doing. All right. Um, I really think that's all that we have power over is our own, our own actions and also our perception of other people. And we, that's the harder one to get a grip on because our perceptions are shaped through our lifetimes and become a part of our identity eventually if we, if we allow it. Yeah. So I think that you have to do a certain amount of, um, sort of relieving the self of the duty to be in charge. Uh, and you just kind of sit back as an observer and say, I, you know, people are, are learning how to be who they are every step of the way throughout their lives. Yes. Who am I to say that they're doing it right or wrong for themselves? You know, if I don't like it, I'm going to either get away from it or I'll ask them to stop if they're in my space, you know? Yeah. But, did um, you have to, how did you grapple with the higher power piece in recovery and like the concept of surrendering to a force that's beyond? I, so I, I went into it with, I think, a pretty open mind, uh, partly because I had, I had tried every avenue that I could see of my own making. I'd sort yeah. of run out of options for taking care of myself. And I had already gone through my own sort of rebellion against religion and, and you know, what I thought God was based on what I had heard from, you know, from other people. Yeah. Uh, and so I was able to go into it without making any sort of association with that the the word god had no association with the prior conceived notions of what god was and i didn't really i think because i'm just sort of a i'm sort of hyper individuated in some ways like i like i won't allow myself to be pulled into a group even when the group is there to support me you know yeah. so even in recovery i was like yeah it's a fellowship but you're doing this and you're, you guys have this little click over here and here's a way that the hierarchy is playing out, even though it claims not to be present. And so I was, you know, I was still nitpicking as I do, but with the God concept, the higher power, I didn't, maybe it's because I had a really good sponsor uh, who said, he said, whatever you think God is based on whatever prior stuff that's, that's, getting you hung up on the idea it's not that just just know that it's not that thing it's this other thing that is all loving and uh you know it it wants you wants you to i i had no pro problem with it personally as a concept yeah. uh, i think because i'd already dealt with it but i did have a problem with how other people used the concept to sort of cater to their own needs you know people would say like oh my high power my higher power got me a job this week or you know and uh and i don't think that's the way it works but i think it's about having having the faith that you'll be supported by something that's bigger than you and and probably beyond your understanding i love the way you put that the faith 
that you'll be supported by something that's bigger than you. I think the reason I ask is like, I still don't know if I could feel that way. Based on certain hangups or, or, or what's I your, don't know uh... that I could trust. And, and this, I was listening to, it sounds like all I do is like hang out at my couch and listen to podcasts, <laughs> but such a slouch. I know, but I was listening to a podcast and, and someone was talking about that. You have to be able to, um, to be able to do that, that be able to, to let go and, uh, believe that a higher power, whatever form it might be, energy, what have you is, is I don't know what would the word be um magnanimous or something yeah about you and I don't yeah. know beneficent I, yeah I don't know if I can wrap my mind around that what, lo- what is I'd it that to. what's that I'd love to be able to yeah well what is it that you get stuck on do you have a different version of of what the higher power power I, is no, I think it's that if I did that, like within five minutes, like there'd be a series of disasters, <laughs> like a car crash, you know, house on fire. Like every, if I'm like, there's a higher power that will be, that has my back. And I believed that like all hell would break loose. <laughs> And so I well, have to be like vigilant because right. no well, I don't, I don't think that it means, sorry. Oh no, that's okay. I just don't feel like, I don't mean no one has my back. Like I don't have friends and family, but like I have to do, I have to be like the one making things happen or right. else. Well, I, th- I think back. that I, th- I don't think that, it means you're supposed to take your hands off the wheel completely. Um, I think you still have to take action in your life to, to make things manifest the way you, you want them to. Yeah. But I think the bigger, uh, the idea is more about accepting what comes your way because it's probably there to teach you. And, you know, thinking that you have control over what what's going to happen in your life or what your thoughts are, you know, to the extent that you could actually, you know, guide them directly the way you want them is, is just kind of crazy. Um, I think a lot of people do try to do that, Yeah, but it's not really possible for people, for humans. I think that we, um, I mean, certainly you can look around and see where people are trying to exercise control in their lives. And in my opinion, usually that means underneath they're kind of like flipping out and, you know, there's some, there's something that they're really fearful about. So they manage everything in their lives to the point where they don't really have to think about this other stuff. They're kind of too busy Um, and convincing themselves that they're in control. Yeah. But, and, and you can do that with the everyday life kind of stuff where you're, you have your routine and you're, you keep your job if you want your job and you have a, you know, the, the things that we think about as, uh, 
things that offer security, I think are largely imagined, you know, like we don't, we're, we're a little bit more free floating in the universe than that. To, mm. to, to say that because I did this, this, and this, I automatically get safety on my passage, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting and kind of terrifying. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. pandemic i don't know i think that there will be something else there'll be another thing another big thing that we all have to face and another thing and so i think that we we all have to sort of get it that we're in it we truly are well we have a choice to be in it together or not yeah and i think that that to be in it together makes more sense and will be ultimately what we do i just think that we have a little ways to go we have to do, be doing it separately and in competition for a bit longer. Yeah. Um, so the part about uh, your, the piece that you said right before saying we need to figure out if we're in it together, but that kind of like, I don't have this and that, but I have confidence that it up. I feel like, I wish I could bottle that and like take a shot of it every morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't always have it. I, I think I have it as an underlying foundation. Like I just know that I'm, I have fortitude. I've been through a lot of shit and I know that I can persevere through more. Um, yeah. I'm tired and I'm sad a lot of the time and I do feel beaten down. You know, I don't, I don't feel like I'm 
the the man I was even a few years ago. Like I feel I was had a motorcycle accident that took a lot out of me, and I'm still oh. coming back from, and um, you know, other thing, other hits to the psyche and and body and everything else. Uh, but so I know I'm okay, and if I die, I die. Like I I don't I'm not. I'll be sad for to not see. I'll be sad that other people won't be able to see me anymore, but I feel like I'll be around still. I feel um, like I'll, I'll still be able to participate. So, um, okay. So tell me something that you right now, like do that you feel like brings is giving you like happiness. Like what is, what are just like some pandemic life things that you do? Like I'm thinking making the podcast. Well, the the podcast is a mixed bag. I love it. I love talking to people. Um, I love how everyone is, every single one is different. And I make different music for every episode. And, and like there is something really fun and beautiful about the whole experience but yeah. it's super um, labor intensive if you count all the hours spent editing and and uh, making the music and do you know connecting with people and it it's it takes a lot of time to put it on top of also making a living and raising my kid and trying yeah. to do other you know um, and I want to I I mean I'm finally able to call myself an artist and a musician and really feel it. And so I, but I haven't really had that life yet. I haven't lived the life as of an artist or a musician. I've just been a hobbyist for, you know, a couple of decades probably. And I'm just, uh, so that's what I really, I'm, I'm pushing toward that kind of stuff pretty much all like every day. That's what my life is about. Yeah. And sometimes it's really fun. And I'm really, I mean, when I lose myself in it, it's fun. Um, but when it feels like I have a deadline that's approaching and I'm stressed about it because I have all these other things on the, my plate, then it, then it's not fun anymore. Um, so I'm trying to balance it and I'm trying to be less of a complainer and, you know, recognize how good my life is or, or can be if I let it. Uh, but I'm also, like I said, in the midst of kind of working through some shit and, <laughs> Yeah. So I have to allow myself space for that too. What happened with the motorcycle accident? Uh, this guy cut right in front of me across. He, he just, without using a signal, he just turned right in front of me and I had no time to, oh my God. to do anything. I actually didn't hit him, but I went in the effort to avoid hitting him. I went down and oh God. Uh, broke my elbow uh, to the extent that almost everybody in the emergency room who saw it exclaimed in, in one way or another, like oh, Jesus. either like, Oh my God. Or, or some people laughed. Like I heard a couple, couple of, you know, x-ray texts, like they had seen it all, you know, and they saw this thing and they're like, Holy shit. Like, Oh it, my God. So yeah, it was a wicked break and a few other minor injuries. Uh, and, but just a long recovery and, um, a lot of, you know, I, I'm never, I've never been somebody who wants to be restrained or, or 
disabled in any, any way. I need, you know, I want full right. freedom of movement. I want to be able to climb trees and run and be, you know, I, I want to live in a way that, that is pretty physical. Right. And my, my job is physical. My, I play guitar, you know, there are things I want to be able to use my hands and arms for. So I, I mean, I should take this moment to say how grateful I am that I have been able to most of my life and I am recovering from this and other injuries. Uh, so I'm happy that I can still do it, but it, it just makes you think about everything differently when it's, yeah. when you walk right up to the edge of, you know, oh. it, it not being that way anymore. I'm so sorry that happened. That's very Thank you. terrifying. Thanks. Yeah. The, I mean, the actual event itself was one of those weird slow motion things where, you know, it didn't actually feel scary. It was just, you must act, you, you oh, know, yeah. and, and I just went into that mode, which I've been in a few times now getting hit by cars and, you know, yeah. and other, other times. Um, and you just sort of do what you need to do. That's right. I mean, I had the, I'm grateful that I could, but, and I'm not, it sounds like I'm bragging when I say it, but I, I had the presence of mind to see the motorcycle sliding toward me. Like I, after I hit the ground, I was somehow in front of it Oh my and, God. It, and it was still moving at me <gasps> and I was slide, I was like sliding down the pavement and I just turned on my side so that it oh. would slide past me. Oh my God. That's horrifying. <laughs> wow. But, it, so that but just- again, it was, it wasn't, it was just like, Oh shit. I'm in an action movie and I'm the, I'm the, I'm the stunt man. Right. Yeah. Unwittingly. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you are. Alive. I'm glad you're alive. Thank you. Thanks. Me too. <laughs> you know, I get to live another day. I'm yeah. sad about not being, a, I, I haven't ridden since and pretty much everyone in my life said, you, you know, you can't, you're not allowed, but it, it actually is a, loss i mean i really the motorcycles flipping fun it's like a it's like an experience that until you've had it you you don't really get why it's so rewarding yeah um, yeah it's not just like riding a bike or car with you know with the roof down or whatever it's a whole different thing yeah so i miss it yeah hmm. well, but i also want to be able to use my limbs so maybe that should outweigh yeah. I'm, you know, I miss playing soccer too. And my knees won't let me. Oh yeah. Did you, did you play until recently? No, not that recently. I mean, I, I, from age five to 18 at least, or maybe 20. And then I was a dog walker for 20 plus years. So, yeah. and still am. So my knees are, uh, they could use a little rest. Yeah. I, I hear you on that. Yeah, it's no fun feeling old. I don't. I never thought it would happen. Yeah, I thought I could just deny it forever, like Peter Pan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still gonna keep trying. Yeah. Oh well, I'm glad you're alive. Thank you. I'm glad you're alive. And Thank you. Even if you had fewer harrowing events, you still had some some stuff to manage over these past, I don't, I don't think we've seen each other in almost 30 years, probably. Yeah. It occurred to me, true. you know, but it just doesn't feel like that. I feel like I, like we just talked, I mean, we did just talk a few weeks ago, but I feel like we have been talking 
every every so often. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I know. I I love it. Me too. Um, yeah. Well, thanks so much for for you know spilling your guts and thank you being willing to go wherever it took us. Yeah, it was. It's just so nice to talk with you, and um, I feel like I leave with wisdom and a sense of calm oh that's great yeah thank you that in a really good way (laughs) no that's how i take it yeah that's a that's a big compliment i'm glad to uh have that effect on you or on anybody yeah awesome well thanks so much katie it's so good to talk with you and i'm sending you a virtual hug through zencaster likewise there's one coming back at you Okay. And I hope I, I do talk to you again soon. I hope it's not um, a year or a half year or, you know. I, I think that's, I think it's up to us and we can, we can talk yeah. anytime. Okay. It's All really right. been fun. Yeah. Oh, I also meant to say, I love the new title and the picture. Oh, cool. Thank you. Yeah. My brother helped my brother helped me with the logo. Um, I really like it. I look at it and I'm like, oh, that's like me with the big uh-huh. in my head. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, good. That's that's the intent that yeah. you uh, get to relate to, and and the message whether I'm able to carry it all the time or not. That is really what's at the center of my heart. It's, you know? it's a wonderful message and title. Thank you. I did. I sort of co-opted it. I can't take full credit, but it's it comes through the the spiritual teachings that I'm engaged in, and cool. it's it's something that resonates more than just about anything because I think it's the answer. I think it's actually how we're going to get through stuff. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to talk about that on the next podcast. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. All, <laughs> All right. right. Thanks so much, Justin. Have a good night. Thanks, Katie. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's my friend Katie Gilbert. Longtime friend. Very cool to reconnect. Um, that's one of the amazing things about life. Well, it's just one of them. No, it's the only one. It's the only amazing thing about life. Everything else sucks. Just kidding. Um, life is incredible. And how come more of us can't enjoy it? Just the way it is. Why are we always looking for something else? And more and more and more. I ask you... And I ask myself often, um, the answer, well, I think we're confused. And I think there are lots of different reasons that we go seeking and sometimes way off the path. But as we discussed here, uh, the path is different for everybody. And so we must allow those who are on their own to do what they're doing on their own path that is unless they're walking on my fucking path and then 
get off my foot, buddy. But, uh, you know, we can all help each other if we try in so many different ways. And I think it helps us ourselves when we do so. So we'd be kind of silly not to. Uh, okay, I'm done preaching from my pulpit. Uh, I'm so grateful to Katie for coming on and talking. I'm grateful to my listeners. You're all amazing in your own way and in all ways. Uh, I'm very grateful to my patrons over on patreon.com slash I love you anyway. Um, I've been making some artwork and sending it out to those who are in the artwork tier. Been making some music and sending it out to the music tier people. Um, so go check it out if you want to and uh, support the show. Cool. Okay. I love you all. No matter what, you dummies. Don't be so hard on yourself. And uh, follow your heart and follow your mother effing dreams. Okay. Talk to you soon. Bye.